seekers, joy givers, anyone looking for an infusion of joy, you've come to the right place. My name is Deb McGregor. I'm your host of Live Joy, Share Joy. Today, we are going to be talking all about how joy can happen even in dangerous times. We are talking with Terry Smith. He is a 37-year police veteran. He is the author of Code 4, and he is here to talk with us today. Welcome to the show, Terry. Thanks, Deb. I've been looking forward to it. Well, you and I actually started communicating, I think, about two months ago, and uh, Wendell, of course, had connected us, and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait. I literally was reading your book on a plane to Orlando, and people were asking me about it, like, oh, what is this Code 4 book? So isn't that great? (laughs) I love that. Well, yeah, it's been kind of surprising to me. I've never written a book before, so... Just to hear stories like that is kind of interesting. Yeah. We usually hear them about these, you know, big time authors that everybody knows, right? And they're sitting next to somebody on the plane or something. So I want to thank you for coming in today. What I really want to start with is the fact that you've obviously been in law enforcement for 37 years. There is a beginning to that. I want you to take us back to your decision to get involved in law enforcement. I loved reading about this in your book. It was suggested to me. I was actually working nights at a gas station and just getting done with college. And the uh, Bloomington police officers used to stop in Bloomington, Minnesota, and have coffee in the middle of the night. And one night, one of them brought me an application that said, here, we're hiring. Why don't you fill this out? I'd never thought of it before, but it seemed fascinating from some of the stories that they told me. And Step number one was going into this huge gymnasium with probably three or 400 other applicants. I walked in the door, and I almost turned and walked out because I thought, well, surely never pick me out of this group. But here I am, Wow, 37 years down the road. That's amazing. And when you describe this in your book, I mean, I'm literally picturing this room of you know 300 people plus, and here you are. And what I wanted to bring out about that is, We can all have those moments of doubt. We can all have those moments where we think, why would they even pick me? And yet, they did. Yes. And of course, uh, knowing the Lord, you understand that there's behind-the-scenes things happening that you don't even know about. Yes. And always, always, He has a plan for us, right? So let's talk about that relationship with the Lord. At that time that you walked in to become a police officer, Did you already know the Lord, or was this something that came later for you? No, I became a Christian when I was in my mid-teens, and, you know, like all teenagers, there was quite a a lot of growth to do, but by the time I uh, was 22, when I became a police officer, I was pretty well established as a, you might say, Jesus follower. Yeah, I love this, because how many people, first of all, at age 22 can say that they're a Jesus follower, and the fact that God calls you into law enforcement, like, it just... It's so profound to me. It really is profound to me. It can be a little surprising to people, too, that God would call a Christian into law enforcement because it's such a tough business, and there's some very, very difficult things that you may have to do, including using deadly force under some circumstances. And more than one person over the years has asked me, how in the world does a Christian fit into that? But uh, actually, it, it works very, very well. We need Christians and all kinds of tough places, and law enforcement is one of them. It's interesting that you brought up the deadly force piece of things. I wasn't sure if we would get to that, but one of the things that stuck out to me in your book, um, it's actually page 158 of your book, I'm very thankful to say that I was able to come across the finish line in my career without having to shoot anyone. I'm also thankful that the one time someone shot at me, 
he missed. I'm still thankful about that. It's, well, yeah, yes, you are. <laughs> or you wouldn't be here today, possibly, right? Exactly right. And I'm glad that you brought this up because let's talk about someone who's a Christian being called into law enforcement. There's sort of the why it would connect, but then there's also what the disconnect could be. What I'm curious about your perspective on that. Well, you can't do the job if you're not willing to do all of the job. So the idea that a person could pull your punches when you, you can't pull your punches or you can't use force when you have to use force, it just doesn't work. So there are certain things that a police officer has to be willing to do, and at the same time, you hope you never have to do them. You dread the idea of doing them, but you can't do the job unless you're willing to do them. Talking about use of force. Yes, absolutely. And there's something to me that's really reassuring, not only as I read your book, but even just in meeting you and talking to you about, you're exactly the kind of person I want in law enforcement, because... You are aware of that. You are aware of, here's this line, I know I'm a Christian, and I know that I'm in law enforcement. I know that I may have to cross this line. It's a piece of the job. And yet what I also know is that the faith that drives you will lead you to making the decisions that are in accordance to the will of the Lord. Yeah, that's that's certainly true. In your career, I mean, 37 years is a long time. So you start in Bloomington. But then God took you on this trajectory of a lot of different pieces of law enforcement. Right. Just I'll give you a quick thumbnail sketch. And I started in 1966 in Bloomington. In 1973, I went to work for the state police. The Bureau of Criminal Apprehension is what you might call the uh, detective division of the state police. And I had a number of assignments there. I I worked uh, in the organized crime section. I worked. Uh, some undercover with some really bad situations. I was a SWAT commander. I was an undercover narcotics agent. And then I became a homicide investigator. And uh, that's a, as you might understand, it's a very tough, emotionally draining assignment. And then in 1986, I came up to uh, Bemidji, northern Minnesota, and I was in charge of uh, the top half of the state for the BCA had about 20 agents working for me, primarily working homicide investigations and major narcotics cases. You have really seen the full gamut of everything. Well, I've seen a lot. Yeah, you definitely have. Let's talk about how God works through you in these situations, because I sit here and try to imagine facing this type of stuff every single day. And honestly, my spirit starts to get like, oh my goodness, like, I don't know if I could do this. I'm sure if God called me, he would somehow equip me. But how do you stay grounded in God when you're seeing all these things around you and behaviors and people that maybe we wouldn't want to be seeing every day? Well, you uh, you have to work at it because you can be so affected by the way people regard you, the way people... Uh, just, just imagine yourself dealing with people who are angry at you a lot, and that can really put a negative stamp on you. And so you have to work at overcoming that, and of course the Lord helps you with that. Hopefully, if, if you're following the Lord, reading the Bible and praying and doing all the other things that Christians do, it puts a stamp on your character that helps to carry you through some of those difficult things. 
And one of the things you have talked about is that God used you to minister to others, not even just people who you may have been arresting, but also fellow officers. Let's talk a little bit about how that worked. Like, was it a natural thing for you? Did you just sort of know when you know? Was it a Holy Spirit prompting? I I always get fascinated about, well, how did you know when to say this word or a gentle something here or just a call to pray? I decided early on that I would try never to let an opportunity go by to say whatever it was that God allowed me to say to people. You know, you, you don't want to be overbearing because you'll, you'll wear out your welcome pretty quick if you're just hammering people all the time. But sometimes people will ask a question or a situation will arise in which you'll just say, that's a natural opportunity for me to say what my experience is or what I think or what I know. So I determined I would never miss one of those opportunities. I probably did miss some, but I tried not to. All the other people I worked with knew who I was and what I stood for. And maybe surprisingly, I don't think anybody ever held that against me or looked down on me. I think more often they appreciated having somebody who was staunch enough to stand their ground and say, this is what I believe. Yeah, I love this. And I love what you're bringing up about this because there's sort of this certain amount of confidence in who you are your faith in God, your conviction in knowing what God's doing in you that gave you an opportunity to be that person. And I am i don't know for sure, but if I were making this up, I'd say you probably had a whole lot of respect out there from people. I'd like to think so. Yeah. Well, so would I. Because, it, you know, it kind of reminds me of, I, this is going to sound like a weird analogy, but I was just thinking about high school the other day. I don't know why this even was coming up around New Year's, but I was thinking about the people, I'm going to call, can we frame this quote, the good kids, right? Those kids that, you know, always studied, did their homework, you know, showed up. They were, I call them the responsible ones. And sometimes those kids were made fun of in high school. Guess who's not being made fun of now? Those kids, because they're the ones who are incredibly successful. A lot of them have great relationships with the Lord. They're doing what they set out to do. And they have this utmost respect from people. And isn't it interesting how respect, it is earned, but sometimes we don't even know that we're earning it because we just show up as who we are. Well, if if you're living as you ought to live, most people enjoy having you around. They, They like to have people who are treating them well and being respectful and being caring and so forth. So even if they don't define it that way in their own mind, I think most of them are pretty happy to have a a Christian around who's acting like a Christian. One thing that really sticks out to me in talking with you is you have this compassion for people. And I sometimes frame this with Christians. There's this piece of the Lord in you, and it's like the compassion of Jesus in you. And I can just imagine that there are times that you showed up on a scene or to help out and people could see that in you. They could see that compassion. Yes, you're there in law enforcement and you're there to maybe sometimes be a little bit in the stronger role. And yet at the same time, they could feel your compassion. Well, there are so many times when you need to be compassionate, you know, anything from somebody who was injured in a car accident and, you know, is traumatized to Unfortunately, I worked many, many, many homicides, and 
if you can imagine sitting around a table with a family of somebody who was murdered and trying to tell them what they want to know without telling them things that they shouldn't have to ever hear, boy, you need to be compassionate. I can't. I can't even imagine. And there's this piece of me that's grateful that I never had to be sitting around one of those rooms. I really am. We've got a lot more to talk about. We are talking with Terry Smith, a 37-year veteran of the police force, the author of Code 4, which is available on Amazon. We'll be talking more about that. First, we're going to take a brief pause. This is Live Joy, Share Joy with Deb McGregor. When it comes to planning for your future, you want an advisor who understands your Christian values. Ameriprise Financial Advisors Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson offer financial planning based on biblical principles. They can help you plan for your goals in a way that is consistent with your faith. Call Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson today. Office is located downtown Bemidji at 122 3rd Street Northwest or at 1202 First Street East in Park Rapids. Ameriprise Financial offers financial services without regard to religious affiliation or cultural background. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Arise Financial Group, a division of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. This is Deb McGregor of Live Joy, Share Joy. We'd love to hear feedback on the show. Have you heard a guest who inspired you or drew you deeper into relationship with the Lord? Was there a topic that really resonated with you? Do you have a show idea around joy? We would love to hear from you. We want to build a community of joy. Please email Deb at lifefulofjoy.com and put feedback in the subject line. Realtors Noemi, Harry, and Abby of Team Aylesworth with Real Living First Realty are here for all your real estate needs in Bemidji and the surrounding communities. Whether you are looking to purchase a home or looking to sell, call the award-winning customer service team to help. Please contact Noemi at 218-760-4689 or click the link for Team Aylesworth on the Business Impact Partner page at yourqfm.com. Team Aylesworth with Real Living First Realty, where you are their priority. Welcome back. This is Deb McGregor of Live Joy, Share Joy. We are talking with Terry Smith, a 37-year veteran of the police force, the author of Code 4. We're talking about joy in dangerous times. And Terry, as we've been talking about, you definitely have experienced some dangerous times. More than I can remember. Yeah. You know, it sounds a little surprising, but when enough traumatic things happen to you, you can actually get to the point where you don't even remember all of them. I, I believe this because even... In, in doing a lot of interviews with people who've experienced trauma, it's almost amazing how, in some ways, the brain, I think, protects itself a little bit so that you can keep functioning and can keep going That's on. That's probably true. I'm not a brain surgeon here, but I'm sure that there is probably some validity to that. Terry, one of the things that has really impressed me about you is your desire to serve the Lord and to be ministering to God's people. And when you were in law enforcement, the Lord just started presenting opportunities to you One that really stuck out to me was an opportunity you had to actually go speak in Duluth after the death of an officer. Yeah, I think this was uh, sometime in the 1990s. There there was a Duluth officer who I actually knew named Gary Wilson, who was doing what many of us did many times. He was uh, executing a search warrant, and the guy inside shot through the door, and Gary Wilson was killed almost instantly. And that hits us very hard because, uh, of course, we all would have to go back and say, well, that could have been me. You know, I've done that many times. 
And of course, when it's somebody that you know and you like and you've worked with, it just hits you very, very hard. So I got a call from the uh, sheriff over there about a month after uh, Gary Wilson's death. And he said, we're having a memorial gathering over here. Would you come and talk to the group? And I said, sure, what do you want me to talk about? And he said, I want you to talk about what it means to you to be a Christian as a police officer. So that's kind of a daunting assignment, a little scary, but I said, sure, I'll do it. And so not long afterwards, I found myself over there standing in front of a group of about 100 red-eyed police officers, judges, lawyers, and I got a chance to just tell them what it meant to me to be a Christian. And I can remember a couple things I told them. One was, Jesus is somebody who goes through doors with me. Now, most people don't know what I mean by that, but all police officers know what I mean. Because we know that uh, in SWAT training, they teach you that the doorway, there's kind of a funnel shape in and out of a door. They call that the fatal funnel. And they say that if, if you're ever going to get shot, that's probably where it's going to happen. I told them, of course, knowing the Lord doesn't mean that nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. What it means is, if it does, it's okay, because I'm in God's hands. The other thing I I told them is that knowing the Lord gives me a sense of confidence in God's ultimate justice, because we so often are disappointed in our own justice system, but there's going to come a day when God is going to set everything right. So what impact did I have on them? I don't know. I think of the parable of the sower, and, you know, Jesus talked about this sower sowing seeds, and some fell on stony ground, and some fell among thorns, but some fell on good ground, and that's what I was hoping for that day. What I love about this, too, is that you did put those seeds down, and really that's what God calls us to do. We don't have to worry about the what comes after unless God calls us into the what comes after. Our job is to just simply be obedient and to do what he calls us to do. And then the Holy Spirit does the rest. And I love that you bring that up because so many times I think it's so easy to get caught up in. We have to be responsible from the start to the end. And the only place we have to be responsible to start to end is our own relationship with the Lord and what God calls each of us to do. And so I, I think that just is tremendous. And I can just um, envision you speaking with this group of people. And I am sure that a huge difference was made, even if it was just an encouraging moment in that time period for people who were trying to heal. Well, I I only could say what I had to say and hope for the best, you know, and of course I prayed about it and yeah. uh, we leave the results to the Lord. And most of those things are done on the installment plan. You know, something happens and then something else happens and something else happens. And God does his work in ways that we don't even understand or follow. Yeah, I love the concept of the installment plan. That's a great way of framing that. And actually there's good metaphor around that too. I might have to use that and borrow that from you someday. Another way that you told me that you were often called to witness or to minister was even sometimes with people you had arrested, where God would call you to pray. Well, that that's kind of an unusual situation because, as you understand, the cop arrestee situation is an adversarial one for the most part. But I had one really, really unusual 
situation. I still kind of marvel about it when I think about it. I had worked a, a real complicated case. And there was a, a group of people who had a, a what we call a salvage switch operation going where they were stealing vehicles and uh, buying wreck cars and, you know, kind of complicated. But anyway, it was a it was a fraudulent auto theft operation. And one of the guys that uh, was kind of the leader of the group was a guy named Randy. I won't use, I won't use his last name. And uh, Randy and I did not have any kind of a relationship. In fact, the last time I had seen him, I stuck my gun in his face and arrested him. But I, I, things went along. We went to court, and I found myself one morning sitting in court down in Anoka County and uh, waiting for the judge to come in. Randy and his lawyer were up at the counsel table. And as I sat there, not thinking about anything in particular, I got this overwhelming feeling that I should pray for Randy. And uh, that had never happened to me before. So I I just sat there and silently prayed that God would rescue him from his life of crime. And then I got up and testified and sent him to prison and uh, didn't think anything more about it, didn't have any contact with him. And a few years later, my aunt, who also lived in... uh, Anoka, called me up and said, you never guess who was the speaker at our church last Sunday. And of course, I, having a sense of humor, I guess Billy Graham and Chuck Swindoll and people like that, she said, no, it was that guy, Randy, that uh, you arrested for auto theft. He became a Christian in prison, and he's going around. He's got a real powerful testimony, and he was our speaker last Sunday. And uh, I, I heard of, a few years later, I heard about Randy one more time. He was killed in a an airplane crash. And I would assume that uh, he's in heaven now. Wow. And why and how those things happen, it's hard to say. But uh, in this case, you know, God didn't need me, but he very kindly included me in a situation that gave me a real shot in the arm in my faith. Yeah, well, and that's... I love that you bring this up because isn't this so true that it's not just about these prayers that we're doing for others, but when we hear this, it's an encouragement to our own faith. And not that we necessarily need it because, of course, we walk by faith and we trust in the Lord and we do all these things. But man, it is an uplift when we hear that something happened here. It's well, just you, amazing. You can imagine what they did for me. Oh, I can't. I mean, whoo, praise the Lord. I mean, that is just awesome. I'm curious, as we talk about uh, some of these things that are in Code 4, you're obviously adding some things as well. What prompted you to write the book Code 4? Well, it's kind of interesting. I I started writing some stories of things that had happened for my grandkids. You know, my kids all heard this stuff around the dinner table, so they were almost bored by it. But my grandkids didn't really know what I had done. and So I, I would write a story and... Some of the feedback I began to get was, boy, these are really great. Uh, my grandkids would share them with other people. And uh, I probably wrote the stories for about four or five years before it dawned on me that maybe there's a book waiting to happen here. And so one thing led to another. And I've been really almost shocked and surprised at how well the book's selling and how many people are interested in it. And 
uh, gets all five-star ratings on Amazon, so that's kind of rewarding. Well, absolutely, and which I'm glad you brought up Amazon. For people that want to learn more about you and your career and praying for others in law enforcement, as well as some of the people that you did have to arrest, or even people maybe you didn't arrest, but God just called you to pray for, you can pick the book up at Amazon. If you are in the northern Minnesota area, you can even pick up the book at the Four Pines Bookstore, Bemidji Woolen Mills, or McKenzie Place. I mean, you can just walk right in and buy the book, so don't delay, right? Like, you can get in and and not have to wait the couple days for Amazon. Code 4. Tell us about the significance of Code 4. Yeah, uh Code 4 is what police officers say when they have handled a, a difficult situation and it's under control. They get on the radio and tell the dispatcher, we're Code 4 here. What that means is, I don't need any help, we've got it under control, everything's good. In coming up with a title for a book, it's a little bit, uh, it's actually probably as hard to come up with a title as it is to come up with a lot of the things that are in the book, but... Uh, that one just kind of hit me, and I thought, that's a good one, because it kind of indicates in my own life that I've come to the end of my career and everything is good. Mm, I love this. And what also came up for me is, what does it look like to have Code 4 with the Lord? Yes. I mean, really, at the end of the day, Code 4, it's all good with the Lord, right? I mean, it can have just an even bigger impact. Absolutely. So I love the title of the book, and I love, for me, there's there's so much analogy that we can even tie into our prayer life. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. This has been so inf- insightful, not just to what you did in law enforcement, but how God called you in law enforcement in dangerous times to be his servant, his eyes, his ears, his feet, his hands. Well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much, Terry, for joining us today. Thank all of you for listening to us today as well. We want to remind you that you can get Code 4 at Amazon. Don't miss this book, friends. It is an incredible, incredible book. We've been talking with Terry Smith, a 37-year police veteran, author of Code 4, talking about joy in dangerous times. We want to thank all of you for choosing to listen today. We want to thank Philip Elke for engineering the program today. And we want to remind you to live joy and share joy. Deb McGregor of Life Full of Joy. Thank you for tuning in to Live Joy, Share Joy. We currently have availability for corporate sponsors on the show. Do you want to be aligned with all things joy and reach our listening audience? We have several options available, including our joy boosters. Contact your QFM today for sponsorship details.